Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, everybody, let's get into it. Get stoned, get started. Welcome, Big Brother fans. This is your Rad Reality Show Network. We connect you to the reality stars you love. I'm Sherry Garcia, and I'm so glad you can be here tonight with us for Manic Mondays with our beautiful host, Michelle Costa, from Big Brother Season 10, also known as the Portuguese Princess from Providence. have questions or comments, call in at one three four seven two three seven five five zero six. And once you're on our switchboard, please do remember to listen to the prompts and press the number one key on your phone. That lets us know that you want to join us on air and you're not just listening to the show from our switchboard. Now let's get this show started with a little intro for our host. Here we go.
Welcome, Big Brother fans. Happy Manic Monday. This is the Rad Reality Show Network. It's November 14th, 2016. I'm Cherry Garcia. I'll be your co-host tonight. And I just thank you so much for being here. Um, Tonight, we have a wonderful guest. Michelle has a very, very special guest for you tonight. Derek Levisor, the winner of Big Brother 16 and a fellow Rhode Island um, person that is very near and dear to Michelle's heart, is going to join her tonight. And he has a new show that will be on Investigation Discovery to tell us all about. So it's going to be a great night. Now, usually we take a, you know calls from all, all our fans, but tonight we're going to try to keep the show down to one hour. So I know that's a little difficult for us to do. So we're going to ask any of our callers to please keep your questions to just one question and kind of keep them short and sweet tonight. So... We're going to go ahead and bring up our lovely host and get this show started. Michelle, how are you, and how was your weekend? Happy Manic Monday. Hey, hey, Cherry Pie. Happy Manic Monday. Hello, everybody out there in Manic Monday land. Welcome back. Uh, We have a fantastic show tonight. We have a lot to talk about. Um, Well, you could say, Cherry, that for me... I didn't quite have such a good weekend or week. Um, lots going on um, in the world uh, between elections and between my sports teams and between Big Brother Over the Top. We've got just voting shenanigans and discrepancies and disqualifications and rigging and we don't know what the hell is going on cherry pie it's like a fucking disaster excuse my language but oh my goodness we've got a lot to talk about right it seems like anywhere there's voting there's there's conspiracies these days doesn't it conspiracy theories left and right no matter which way you look at it no matter what side you guys are on um, you know, that's the great thing about America is that we have the right uh, to freedom of speech. We have the right to our opinions. Um, at the same time, we want to keep them uh, less offensive as possible. I mean, if you say one word that it's part of the, uh, let's see, the dictionary, if you say somebody's ignorant, people take offense to it, which is uh, – you can look at it either way. But no matter what you say nowadays, if you say hi the wrong way, Cherry, shit's going down, okay? So you better you're not, not be saying hi with a bad attitude. And, right, you're not politically correct, and you're going to be chastised by someone. <laughs> yeah. So well, there's a lot to to talk about tonight. We're going to, you know, try to ease into it. And, and like I said, I respect everybody's uh, opinions. Um, I'm going to state mine, Cherry will state hers, Derek will state his, which I don't even know what it is about anything. Uh, Maybe he doesn't like the supermoon. We don't know. Who doesn't like the supermoon, though? I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying we all have our opinions and our right. Um, I just don't like it when people are, you know, saying uh, mean things and you know, not fact, you know, just fiction kind of stuff. 
Uh, but we do have an amazing guest tonight. We have the winner of Big Brother 16, my boy. Derek's going to be on in a little bit. And he's going to talk about, as uh, Cherry said earlier, his show, um, Investigation Discovery. I can't wait to find out about that. That's actually going to be coming out soon. I believe it's in February, but he'll give us all the details. Uh, right now, the veto competition is going on in Big Brother Over the Top. And I don't know if they came up with the winner yet. We know Shelby had the quickest time, but we don't know who had the right answers. Uh, let's, um, if anybody out there that is on the chat right now uh, can give us the information as soon as you get it, because both me and Cherry are occupied at the time because we're doing some, like, you know, hosting kind of things. So we're doing those things right now. So, um if you do guys, if you guys do have questions, I mean, it's going to be really tough to take calls. Uh, please jot them in the chat room. We'll try to get all of your questions answered. I did see one earlier um, from Big Wig Twenty Two, and I just want to let everybody out there know um, it's a, an unfortunate thing. She's on the switchboard right now. Knows. If you want, if you want to talk to her uh, real quick before Derek joins us. Sure. Yes. Okay, I'll bring her right up. Hi, Cindy. Uh, hi. How are you? Hey, Cindy. What's going on, girl? Nothing. I just wanted to know, are you doing Toys for Tot this year? You know, um, unfortunately, um, I, I had some sort of work um, issues, and it's not really issues. I'm actually kind of getting promoted um, and um, involving the promotion. I'm not going to be able to make it, but... Um, and it's not even actually happening. Panther had to cancel it. Um, you oh, know, there's that's a, lot a shame. Going on. Yeah, you know, I mean, she's got a lot going on, and, you know, there's a lot going on, um, you know, with other uh, people that were trying to attend and stuff. But um, on hindsight, there is some stuff in the works that's going to go um, on, and I don't want to get into detail about it because it's not my place to say it. But just know that it's going to be some good things that's going to be um, helping out some people in need, and we're going to be raising some money for that. I, I just don't want to give details right now about that. Cindy. I'm disappointed but I doubled yeah. what I gave you guys last year. I know. I think that she's still going to go out and, and get toys. Um, you know, there's people doing GoFundMe um, right now um, to raise money, and it's still going to be done. It's just that, you know, I, I couldn't make it. Um, up there, um, and then I found out. Um, oh, well, this was my whole thing. That. I can't make it up there either. I'm going on vacation, but I wanted to know if I could meet you somewhere to give you a $600 check, but obviously not. Wow. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll still be able to buy toys, and there's still kids that need that. Um, so that I just think I'll donate done. it locally then. Uh, yeah, I would do that because you know what, whether it's in Portsmouth, everybody has a local choice for tots. Um, uh, well, I'm drive. from Socket, so, you know, I'm right next oh, to you. Oh, yeah, you're, you're but, one town over from me. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it is unfortunate, but, you know, um, things happen, you know, and it, it, she didn't cancel because of me. It's just that there was just a lot of different things. And um, we have a, a good crew that came, and unfortunately there was just a lot of things that just it didn't the, – the puzzle pieces didn't fit this year. But, you know, that was just – that's just for this year. We will definitely be doing um, 
some things in the future, Cindy. So I wanted well, to answer I, that because I, I did see I that. I will definitely tweet you because you're famous at Mount St. Charles because I have a picture of you on the board. <laughs> With Ooh, I gotta come to Mount Saint Charles. I gotta come to Mount Saint Charles. Maybe one day. So my grandson plays hockey there, and every time we ask for a two-dollar donation for Aww. toys for tot. Last year I raised three hundred. This year I doubled it. Wow, that's, that's amazing. That's gonna be a lot of toys for for a lot of kids. So that's that's great. Pat yourself on the back. Um, good job, and I'm, I'm gonna have to pop into Mount Saint Charles. We gotta do this. We gotta figure it out. You, that would be pretty gotta, cool. It's usually if my grandson's playing at home. It's the only time during his hockey games that we have it up, and it's I should donate it to New Hampshire now that I think about it because it says Toys for Tots for New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, that's probably you know it's you know it all goes to the to the same cause. So right, um, just the fact that you went and. Um, and went out of your way to do that. That's amazing, and it, it is unfortunate. So I'm sorry, but I did talk about this last week. But then, oh, I didn't. You know week, what? I didn't listen to last week's show. I'm, well, it doesn't matter. I've been collecting since September. <laughs> wow. Well, you're gonna make a lot of kids happy, Cindy. Just think of it like that. So, all right. Thank you very much. And I'd like to say hi to um, Joe. I met him last year at Toys of Tots. <laughs> Yes, and do me a favor. Send me send me a, a a direct message or a Facebook message or whatever, so that I can you know keep talking to you and stuff like that. Because I definitely want to. Keep yeah, because like I can raise money through my grandson's hockey team. It's great. Yeah. So. Well, I can um, actually try to hook you up too with going to Gillette. Um, they allow uh, different groups, hockey groups, cheerleading. To actually we go looked and for work you last game. night, Michelle, all over the place, and we couldn't find where you were selling beer. <laughs> I was in 118, section 118, <laughs> right in front of the sign. So we tried, right we there. tried. My husband and I looked everywhere. <laughs> oh, goodness. I know it's just so many people, so it's like kind of finding a needle in a haystack. <laughs> so I know it was fun. Okay, Michelle, well, you, I'm, you know what, I'm friends on Facebook with your mother, but not you, but I'll send her a message. <laughs> yeah, no, no, try to request me again, because it seems like uh, it's been uh, people... All right, my last name's Wigglesworth. Okay, I will definitely be looking out for you, okay? All right, thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. Great job, too. Congratulations okay, to the hockey team for me. Bye, Bye yep. Cindy. Bye. Bye. Wow, that's great. $600. She doubled it up. So there's going to be some happy kids out there. You know, guys, even though we're not doing Toys for Tots this year, please go um, and and grab some toys and bring them to your local Toys for Tots drive. Um, You know, we don't need to have an actual event for you to be able to help out. So congratulations, Cindy, on that, too. And um, that was great. Huh, Cherry? See that? She's amazing. Yeah. Doing that. She did it last year and won, uh, you know, brought in a great deal of money. And then this year, $600, that's that's incredible. And had it set up where, you know, she was getting donations from her son's um, hockey team. And to me, that, that's just amazing. You know, it's it's kids, you know, realizing the, the gift of giving and, yeah, what a great yeah. time to, to you know teach them that lesson, and it's just so amazing to uh, to do yeah. that. 
and and the holidays are creeping up on us. I mean, we're a, a week from Thursday. It's already Thanksgiving. It's already gobble gobble day. Come on. Goodness, I mean, I the know. time just flies. It's just crazy. So even even with uh, with uh, Thanksgiving coming up, you guys, a lot of your local supermarkets will have these bins placed in front of the um, the entrances. And you can leave, like, non-perishable um, items, uh, you know, chicken stock, uh, canned items, um, and they bring them to families that, you know, don't have um, the means and the funds to be able to have uh, that extensive Thanksgiving dinner. And, uh, you know, you can help them out with that, too. So, you know, there's always there's many ways for you to be able to help, and, and you know, starting with the kids being young and Knowing that, you know, in this world, it's unfortunate that there's people that are homeless, there's people, uh, there's kids that don't have toys and don't have the luxuries that we do. I mean, we don't even think about it because we are on our cell phones and we're on our tablets and we're on our laptops and, you know, our home desk computers. I mean, the other day I had like three computers going. I had, you know, I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is crazy. I'm watching the TV. I'm watching my laptop. I'm on my phone, you know, like. You just take things for granted, and around this time, you know, you got to understand that there's people out there that don't have the luxuries that we do, you know. Um, clothing, they don't have clothing, so it would be a great time um, to go through some of your old clothes, Cherry, right? Stuff that you haven't worn oh my in a gosh. long time, you know, and I have just plenty packing of that. it up. <laughs> yeah, and just packing it up and, and giving it to, um, you know, whether it be, uh, big brothers, and big coasters. Yeah, you know that's coming for that... people this time of year. You know, people are out there that are yeah. cold and need coats and and gloves and things to keep them warm. And we have your guest on the switchboard. Well, let's bring them him up and let's get this party started. Let's do this. We have from Big Brother sixteen the winner, winner, Derek Levisor. <laughs> hey, hey guys, how's it going? Hey Derek, how are you? I'm good, good. Uh, off the off the rec, uh, off the jump, I gotta apologize. I have a little bit of a cold, so if I sound like uh, I sound like I'm dying, I am. Oh, Aww. that's typical me every Monday. I normally don't even have a voice, <laughs> so just join the party. It's okay. <laughs> all right, all right, good. <laughs> I feel at home then. <laughs> exactly. Well, welcome back on Manic Money. It's been a while since we've had you on, and Derek, there's been so much going on with you. I mean, I think that you have a new baby since last time mm-hmm. we talked to you. Oh, my God, oh, how yeah, is that yeah. going? It's going good, little Peyton. Um, she's about eight months old now, going to be nine months, actually. And, uh, she's oh, my gosh, uh, already? Yeah, yeah, she's getting big. So, uh, yeah, hold on. She's doing good. She's... Uh, She's getting big fast. It goes by very quickly, so I'm just trying to enjoy it while she's while she's tiny. Because one day she's born, and the next day she's telling me that she doesn't she doesn't want to go in the car anymore. So that's just how quick it goes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I mean every minute probably counts. Because next thing you know, is she is she ready walking yet, or is she she's uh, kind of like uh, crawling around, moving and grooving. Um, actually, she's not even crawling yet. She's um, she's sitting up on her own, and she can kind of hold herself up if like I stand her up. But um, believe it or not, Tenley actually started walking around ten months 
and and she never crawled. She just went right to walking. So I think Peyton might be doing the same thing. Kind of, she's just kind of she's like a weeble. She just kind of rolls on her belly. She doesn't really want to use her want to use her knees. So she just they tend to do the same thing. She kind of skipped over it. So I'm, I'm having a feeling she's going to do the same thing. Oh my gosh! And then you'll be she chasing around the crawling them. part. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's so great. Um, well, great to hear that, uh, you know, the kids are doing good. Um, you got a lot going on since, you know, it's been a couple of years since you've been off the show. Um, let tell people about your, your show that's coming up. Um, when, tell people about it, Investigation Discovery. Let people know what, what it's about, and it's going to be airing soon, right? I mean, it's right around the corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, uh, it should be coming out fairly soon, I would think, where they're going to announce um, the actual uh, season premiere. Um, I can tell you it is going to be very, very soon. But um, as far as the actual date, yeah, I'm, I don't think I'm allowed to say, but it is coming soon, and I'm hoping that they uh, put an announcement out there within the next couple weeks. Um, so, But as you said, it's on investigation discovery, and uh, essentially it's a show where we look at cold cases that, that are unadjudicated, either there's no um, result, no one was found guilty, or it's just still open, and we look at alternate theories. So we're not just repeating ourselves or, or doing something that somebody else already did. Whatever case we do um, has an alternate theory that someone, an investigator, believes in, and, and they believe they have evidence to support that theory. And myself and a, and a gentleman by the name of Chris Mohandi, who is a um, – who's been a criminal psychologist for over 15 years, 12 of which he was on the LAPD, we actually go in and reinvestigate the case. And, and that includes going back to the crime scene. That includes talking to any witnesses that are still willing to talk and are alive. That includes talking to victims, families, and friends, and trying to get a picture of what happens. That even includes going and talking to the original investigators in the case. Um, so each season, if we're fortunate to have multiple seasons, uh, will consist of six episodes uh, where we go over one case. So over the six episodes, you'll get to see um, the case progress and, and which way it takes us. Um, so for this particular season, we're doing O.J. Simpson, uh, not only because everyone knows the case, but because there is a theory out there involving the case that a lot of people are aware of, but for the general public, they, they don't actually know it. So there's a book on it. And uh, we actually brought in the investigator who wrote that book, and we investigated his theory from start to finish, every single aspect of that theory to see if there's any validity to it. And um, at the end of it all, we come to our conclusion on episode, you know, the final episode where we give our determination whether or not we feel what he is stating or proclaiming could have happened is possible. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, that's such a huge case. I mean, all of us remember this. It was, uh, you know, so much involved in the media and we all know the media plays a big role in it, Derek. I mean, the media right. kind of sometimes shows what they want to. So are you guys going to show us stuff that we haven't even seen or heard? I mean, this is a, a huge case. Well, like I said, there is, um, there's definitely some things that the majority of people uh, have never heard. Um, it, uh, most of it is in the book. There are some things that we do um that have never been done before. For example, there are people who are making uh, accusations about what they may have seen that night, what who they may have seen, and basically all at this point, all they've had is their word. Well, 
we take it a step further and people, you know, go on polygraph tests and things like that. So the results of those tests, including forensic tests, are being done for the first time on TV. Um, so that's wow. that's something different that hasn't been done before. So the viewer will get to kind of go on that journey with us because, frankly, I can tell you that, you know, I go into this with an open mind as an investigator because I was only 10 years old when it happened. So I go into it just kind of not looking at it as the OJ case, but just looking at it as any other case. And I can tell you that as we're going through the case, our discoveries kind of mold my opinion. And, you know, you can see how my brain and how uh, my perspective on the case changes throughout the series, which ultimately leads me to my conclusion. But I think it's kind of cool to see the progression take place where I go from not being too familiar with the, the details of the case to having a very good understanding of it based on factual information that's already out there and things that we discover along the way um, to what I think actually could have happened that night. So How did, did you, you catch yourself kind of, of like, yeah, go ahead, Cherry. How did you get chosen for this um, show, Derek? It, it's a very funny story, but again, it always kind of comes back to Big Brother. You know, um, <laughs> you know the thing. The thing about it is, it's it's a. It's, I'm very fortunate, and and what had actually happened was, and Michelle can attest to this. When we get out of the show, when we get out of Big Brother, um, you have media obligations, uh, a list of media obligations before you're allowed to go home. And on my list of media obligations, I had an agent by the name of uh, Harry Gold. And uh, I had told the people at CBS, oh, I don't really want to meet with an agent. I want to be an actor. And they told me, hey, listen, he only wants to meet with you. And I said, well, that's odd because I got people like Cody and Zach and Caleb and Frankie on the show, people who I felt were a lot more you know, suitable for TV or had a better chance of doing something in TV afterwards. I didn't have that plan. Um, so I called him. I actually called him, and, and he explained to me that he was a fan of the show, but more importantly, he felt like um, true crime was a huge thing. And he felt that I was a little different than a lot of the cops that were on TV currently. And he, he wanted to explore that. And all he was asking was for an opportunity. So after speaking with him, I hadn't even met with him at that point. You know, I, I signed with him. Um, and then, uh, you know, fast forward, some things came up. Um, an opportunity for a TV show came up. And to make a long story short, it just I wasn't happy with it. I didn't feel it was an opportunity to make some money. But I just told him that's not what I was trying to do. And, uh it kind of crumbled because I just didn't feel it was something that fit what I, what I stood for. It was going to be a good show, but it was kind of more for entertainment rather than had a purpose. Fast mm-hmm. forward, you know, about six months, eight months later than that, um, you know, nothing really was, uh, I didn't hear from him. And he goes, listen, he calls me and says, listen, I have something for you. I need you to fly out here. Um, explain the show to me. I fly out there. Um, this concept came up with uh, Martin Sheen. And, and the writer of this book, and they were looking for a certain pr- person to be involved with the show, a, somebody with a different perspective, a younger perspective, um, maybe a little innovative as far as how they approach things. And they were looking for a person who was more methodical and had, you know, a little bit more knowledge as far as the actual case, crispy in that person. And it just kind of worked. We all met, we talked to each other and, and, and started to look at the case and developed a rapport with each other and, and decided that, you know, we, we really wanted to do this and, and we were fortunate enough to have investigation discovery, believe in the concept as well. Um, and, and that's why we are where we are today. We've been filming it for, we filmed it for about two, three months in uh, Los Angeles and uh, 
now now the final product's basically here. Wow, that's amazing. Um, so it all, have they shown you the? It's all funny. What's that? I was going to say, have you seen like any of the finished product, or are you going to be oh, kind yeah. of watching oh, it yeah. along with us? Oh, no, no, I, I love it. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen I've seen all the episodes, rough cuts, obviously, but I've seen all the episodes because obviously with any show, there's you know you know the sound you know adjustments and stuff that they have to make. I've had to fly out there a few more times to correct my you know those sound adjustments where you couldn't hear what I was saying or something. But um, for the most part, it's pretty much what you see is what you get. It was pretty much done there on the spot, and that's what you're watching. So I've seen the rough cuts, and um, obviously I'm biased, but. Uh, I think it's pretty good. It keeps my attention. It, it keeps it keeps my attention, and and for me, it's one of those things where you know, obviously, it was an opportunity to be on TV and kind of see that world because it's com- it's completely different from Big Brother. But it really, for me, it was you know, I, I'm still an investigator. For me, it was an opportunity to look at a case that is nationally publicized that everyone knows about. That's a part of our history, and it really changed the course of the criminal justice system. And it's an opportunity for me being from, you know, Central Falls, Rhode Island, to, to, to get into that case and dive into it and really take a hard look at it and, and see what, if I, what I could find out about it. So it was, from a professional standpoint, it was, it was really a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that just happened to be taped. So I was ecstatic to be a part of it. Wow, that's amazing. Now, were you able to go um, to the actual OJ house, like, were you able to meet with like say Cato, like, you know, people like that? Um, okay. So I can tell you that most people know OJ's house was actually, uh, demolished. Um, the lot is still there and the, the, the layout is still the same, but the house itself is gone, but Nicole's house is still there. And I can tell you, this is what I can say. I can tell you that anyone who was willing to speak with us that was part of the original case we spoke with, and there's a lot of them. And I can tell you that any opportunity we had to get close to the case, including driving by the original crime scenes and looking at them with a fresh set of eyes, we did. We dotted every I, we crossed every T. So if you're a person who is not familiar with the OJ case, you don't know the crime scenes, you don't know the original players, if you watch the show, you will have a full understanding of who those people are and where they are today. And if you're someone who's very familiar with the case, you're going to get to see those old people, characters that you're already familiar with, what their perspective on the case is today, and also any new information that may have come forward throughout the years. So it has something for everyone. But, yeah, as far as going to the crime scenes and interviewing specific people, I can tell you that without giving too much away that anyone – who was part of the original case that was willing to to speak to us and give us anything that could help us, we spoke with them. Wow, that's pretty cool. Now, was there like a time where you kind of thought one way, like, okay, all right, I got this information, I got this evidence, you know, I look it over, and it was definitely, you know, guilty. And then all of a sudden you were like, wait a minute, I got this other information. Like, did you go back and forth or was it kind of, as you were going, it kind of like the puzzle pieces were putting together for you to come up with what your thoughts were with what happened with the case. Yeah, I think I think with any investigation, you start off with this broad picture of what you think happened uh, based on, you know, public opinion and what you already know about the case. And as you gain and garner more information, more details about the case specifically pertaining to what you're investigating, 
that that opinion becomes narrow and it becomes focused on you know one small portion of that bigger picture you once had and it gives you a better understanding of what may have happened and i think with this case that's what happened there were a couple curveballs where you know i started off believing one thing and then i you know was hit with something different that kind of altered the course of the investigation and we had to look into something else before moving forward but regardless of what came up even though we got sidetracked and had to investigate some additional things to make sure we weren't missing anything as the case progressed the the, the vision always got narrower until there were only a few possible outcomes and and you know that's 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 what we went with you know that's what we came up with and, yeah. and again there's a there's a third individual on the show. His name's Bill Deere. He's the one who wrote the book. Essentially, he and hired us to to look at the case with a fresh set of eyes because he has his opinion already of what happened. And essentially, by that last episode, we're sitting down in our headquarters giving him our professional opinions on what could have happened that night and whether or not it lines up with his theory, which he invested millions of dollars and almost – 20 something years into of his own life and money. So it's a big moment wow. for him to figure, to find out if everything he's done over these years um, has any weight to it, has any validity to it. So it's a, it's a powerful moment to have a man who's invested so much of his own time and money into it to find out, you know, if it's possible. Wow. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Dale, you said a little bit before about the polygraph test. And, right. you know, you talk to different people and, you know, you, you watch these different shows because I'm a, I'm a huge, uh, you know, ID fan and Discovery. And I, and I love watching all the types of uh, different uh, cop uh, programs and stuff like that, just seeing a case from the beginning to the end. And polygraphs seem to be kind of one of those middle grounds where either people are all for it and it's 100% accurate or it's not. Can you can you talk a little bit about polygraphs? Like, are they accurate? Is it is it one hundred percent? I mean, are they no, held just, up in a court law of law? Like, how does that go about nowadays? You know. Well, well, first off, they're very sexy. Obviously, to watch it on TV, this, you know, to see them, they're just they're just they're very sexy to watch. As far as the court is concerned, <laughs> um, I mean, you people said, love. You said they're sexy. Yeah, yeah, you I know, love they're, they're it. fun to I watch. Love it. They keep people, they keep people in suspense, and as you know, they're going through the test. People are, you know, playing their own game, whether or not they're telling the truth. But as far as the the legality of a polygraph test, um, it's not admissible in court in most cases. However, there have been circumstances where the defense and the prosecution both agree to admit to allow the polygraph test into the court of law, and they are used as evidence. But it's not, it's not a standard practice. Uh, polygraph tests are very, very accurate. Um, I can tell you when we used polygraph tests, we had a guy who was one of the top polygraphers in, in the, you know, in the state of California, and his success rate was about 97%. But with any polygraph test, there is an opportunity and the ability to manipulate the test, do diversionary tactics, um, where people can actually, this isn't like you or I are going to be able to lie to the test and it's not going to pick up. These are specific things that can be done in an attempt to try and alter the results, but it's not going to allow you, even when you're, even when you're not telling the truth, it's not going to trick the polygraph test to say something's truthful when it's not all it would do would come back inconclusive um, in most cases and just say that it was unable to 
figure out whether you're relying or not because you're using those diversionary tactics. So, yes, there are ways to beat the test, um, and that's probably part of the reason it's not allowed in court um, in most cases, but it's very, very, very difficult to do it. Uh, you could spend years trying to learn how to do it and still not be able to, but there are people who have proven you can you can beat them. So um, you take it as a tool, as part of your investigation, as part of, as part of the facts, totality of the whole circumstance, but it's not your end-all, be-all. You're not saying, well, he passed it, or he failed it, so he's got to be lying, um, or he passed it, so it's got to be true. But, you know, it does hold some weight if they come back and it's passed or failure because, you know, in most cases, people are not able to beat the test itself. Yeah, it's kind of more like a leverage for you guys, like where you can more um, um, ask them more questions and kind of see their demeanor. But how would people, not that I would want to, Derek, or plan on having a polygraph test, (laughs) but, I mean, I've read about it, like, is, is there kind of some kind of sedative drugs that they can take yeah. to kind of slow their heart rate down? Is that kind of one yeah. of the things oh, yeah. that people do? Yeah, I mean, don't quote me on this, but polygraphs are based on, you know, the excretion of uh, sweat from your skin. They're based on your heart rate. They're based on your, um, um, your chest uh, movement. They're based on a lot of different things that you're all hooked up to. And people can alter that. So you're asked a series of control questions and, tar- you know, targeted questions. The control questions are to establish a baseline for how you react to questions that you're not lying about. And then they'll ask like you the questions. Like what's your name, that, what's your birthday, yeah, stuff like that, right? Right. Or, or even they'll say, listen, this next question I'm going to ask you is, um, you know, are you sitting down right now? Uh, are you standing right now? And even though you're not standing, say, yes, I'm standing. So deliberately lie so they can establish what your body does when you tell a lie. It gives them a reference. Um, and they do this for a while and then they'll, they'll, they'll sprinkle in the questions that actually matter and they'll go back and forth between them. And they usually do the test multiple times to, to make sure it's as accurate as possible. Um, but there are things like medications you can take to lower your heart rate. Um, I remember there are things like back in the day, like, you know, people used to put tacks in their sneakers and their shoes and they would step on the tack. When they, when they were asking control questions to try to spike their heart rate due to pain to kind of throw off the test. But, again, all that's really going to do is give them a false, you know, baseline. So it's not you're not going to be able to trick it. It's just going to come back inconclusive, which is almost as bad as lying because if you're telling the truth, it should in most cases come back. Wait, thumbtacks in their shoes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> thumbtacks in their okay, shoes. Okay, that's all. Yeah, well, it depends. When you really want to pass, the things you'll do, you know. That's crazy. So I'm a nervous person, right? So yep. even if I were, not that I've been pulled over by a cop because I don't speed or anything, but the last time I remember I was pulled over by a cop, I didn't do anything. They actually got the wrong car. But I was still nervous, you know. I was like, you right. know, of shaking. Course. I was like, oh, God. So does that affect the test at all, like just a person just being nervous? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would be nervous taking the test. Right, and I think that's why they basically do a baseline first. Like, you know, it's not standard for everyone. So when you sit in the chair and you're being asked questions when they're asking you normal questions, you're you're already going to have that heightened sense of awareness and that anxiety. So they're going to be able to read that within the computer, and they can compensate for that anxiety and those levels prior to asking you the questions that matter. So they, they take that into consideration when developing okay. their analysis based on how you are feeling and what you're doing prior to being asked the questions that actually are of importance so they use that you know that baseline prior to that to 
to establish whether or not you're telling the truth. Wow. Okay. Because polygraph tests, I mean, I, I think that for me, obviously they would be, you know, part of the case. I mean, you know, whether you, you, you pass or not, I mean, it's got to have some significance to it. Um, but it there's a lot sure. of people that don't believe in it either. So it's yeah. kind of like, that's why yeah. I wanted to hear from your side. Cause I'm sure you've seen a lot of uh, tests and stuff. So, I've never even heard of thumbtacks. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. They put them in their sneakers. I mean, they, you can't really do that anymore. Cause in some tests they make you take off your shoes and different things, but, um, yeah, like I said, it's not the uh, it's not the end all be all. It's not the thing you you hang your whole hat on, but it is something that you take into consideration as far as your overall investigation and everything else you've un, you know discovered. And this is just one more piece of that. You know, like you were saying, that larger puzzle to try to give you an idea of of what really happened. And it, you'd be remiss if you didn't use that technology to your advantage because in some cases it can be very helpful. Yeah. Wow. So. So I know you can't really talk too much about it, but did utilizing the uh, polygraph test with with the case that you did um, was there something was there things that kind of shocked you? Were you like, oh my gosh, like you know, the person telling the truth, they're yep. lying? Like, was that a big significance <laughs> yep. in in the case? Yeah, there, there were definitely some things that I didn't turn out the way I thought they would. Um, so yeah, you definitely really? want to check that out because there were definitely some points where, you know, you go into a situation thinking one thing and then it comes out at something else. And, uh, it was, a. I I think when you guys watch, uh, the, my reaction will kind of say it all, <laughs> honestly, but yeah, no, there's definitely some points that, you know, you think you got it all figured out and then you get hit with this, you know, this change up wow. that kind of makes you reevaluate things. Wow, this is, sounds like it's going to be amazing. I mean, you can't get better than starting off with the O.J. Simpson case, and we all are familiar with it, and so we all probably want to know out there. I know, I'm going to ask you what everybody's out there thinking. Did <laughs> you get to put the glove on? Because if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. You must acquit, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, we did, not, <laughs> we, we did not put the glove on. The glove is in LAPD custody. Um, and the last we we knew of the glove, it was all the gloves, I should say. They were in um, they were in a exhibit in Las Vegas for the Los Angeles Police Department. Um, but the gloves absolutely came into play as far as um, you know proving that OJ was guilty or not guilty, and what other possible scenarios could be you know could surround the gloves themselves. But um, the actual you know gloves we we did not get possession of them because it is an active case though because it's still open and anything that's of evidentiary value real evidentiary value that was already seized uh, wouldn't be available to the public because of the fact that it could be used at a later date in, in a, you know a new new trial. Interesting. So where were the officers and the detectives that were a part of the actual case? Were were you working with them? Like, were you able to communicate with them, or was that because it's still an open case? They they couldn't kind of give you guys any um, details or, or work with you because it's kind of like you know um, maybe not allowed to do that. I mean, I know you can't really talk too much about that, but were you in communications with them? Uh, I'll say this: that uh, a lot of the investigators that work the original case have since retired. Um, so they, okay. they can speak about it and they can speak about it. They have spoken about it. They've written books about it. So, uh, so any, any person who, who 
we tried to get the highest ranking people who investigated the original case into our show to give us the the best understanding of what they you know figured out you know that may have not made TV what most people wouldn't have seen by watching the trial and uh we went out there we tracked those people down and, and we talked to them I'll, I'm telling you what, I'm excited about this. I mean, I'm <laughs> sure you're very excited, but, I mean, this is very intriguing to me. I mean, I didn't know it was the O.J. Simpson case. I mean, did, did you leave that out when I was talking to you? Like, that's amazing. Yeah, and yeah it's cool. So it's, happy it's for cool. you. Yeah, it's cool. I'm extremely fortunate that, you know, it's uh, it's gone the way it's gone because there's so – like I said, it's not like Big Brother where you kind of just – that when you find out you're on the show, you basically you're on the show within a week. This has been a very long process, and I kind of approached it with a very pessimistic attitude because it wasn't something that uh, I was looking for, to be frankly honest with you. And you know, it kind of melded my two passions together, which is you know, obviously I have this you know this new passion for TV as far as like you know entertainment and production and you know, seeing a show come together, even watching my season back, you know, you have a different appreciation for it because you're in the house, but you don't realize how they're editing the shows together and making a storyline out of it. And uh, you have a new appreciation for that after being on the show. So to have that happen and be able to kind of incorporate what I do on a daily basis um, was really cool. And it's just lucky because whenever you can do something that you enjoy it sounds cliche, but it's not really working. Obviously you're going to give more, you know, more of an effort. So to be able to do what I enjoy doing anyways, and not really have to play quote unquote big brother, it was cool. This is kind of really, you know, you saw me on big brother in a, in a role where I was kind of playing the undercover cop. Well, this I'm working as an investigator and I'm just basically doing what I do every day. So uh, this is the truest form of like who I am uh, even more true than what you saw on big brother. Because again, I was playing a character on that show in most cases for the other house guests, this is, this is kind of, you know, even though it's a true crime show, it's pretty much what you see is what you get. Wow. It's pretty cool. I have a and question for you. Find you. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Jerry. Now that you, you know, we've talked a lot about polygraphs. If you could have used a polygraph on any house guest <laughs> during the season of big brother 16, Uh-oh. who would you have used a polygraph machine on? Do other people Ooh. get the polygraph results? Um, just, just the fans, just us watching. It would be like a, a diary room polygraph. <laughs> see, I'll tell you this. It, it's, it's interesting. Who would I want to see? Who would I want to see on a polygraph during the show? And who would I want to see on a polygraph after the show? Because if you want to be honest, if you, if you want to be honest, I think most house guests after watching the show tend to, uh, alter their stories to fit what they saw on TV. That's a whole different story for a different day. But um, oh yeah, uh, um, <laughs> Ooh, what Jade, I would say, I love it. Uh, yeah, what I would say, and I mean nothing really towards me, nothing really horrible. But I've definitely heard some stories out there. Not anymore. It's been years, but uh, you definitely hear some things coming off the show. where are like, nah, man, nah, you know, I was all about it, and it's like, no, you weren't. But um, uh, as far as on the show. I really felt like I had a good understanding of everybody in there. Um, you know, I knew which people didn't want to work with me. I knew which one did. Um, but I guess for, you know what, for entertainment value, maybe throw someone, you know, I knew who I would have thrown it on at the time. Cause I was kind of on the fence. If I had one, you know, 
card to use a polygraph test, it probably would have been on Nicole at the time when Cody and I were trying to decide whether or not to vote out Jocasta or vote out Zach. And ultimately we chose to vote out Jocasta because we weren't sure if Nicole and Hayden were telling us the truth or Frankie and Christine were telling us the truth. And obviously we ended up going with Frankie and Christine, but I was really, that was one of the few points in the season where I was torn between should we roll with Nicole's side or should we roll with Frankie's side? And uh, well, we kind of had to make a choice. So that probably would have been one of the points I would have really liked to have a better understanding of what Nicole was actually intending to do. Cause I felt she was lying and come to find out she really, she really wasn't. She was working with Donnie, but not to the extent that I thought she was. Oh, that was, you know, I actually didn't even think that you would have said her. So that's actually really intriguing. Well, clearly, I mean, clearly, I mean, she's a freaking BBE winner. So obviously I had my reservations about, I knew she was a smart girl. Uh, and she yeah. was one of those girls where I couldn't completely tell throughout the season. She was one of the few people I had trouble reading uh, because she was very sincere. And she's somebody that you look at and you're like, oh, my God, she's so sweet. Like, you know, I believe everything Obviously she's saying. Obviously, you weren't the only but one. She, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she yes. got through a whole so, season full of people. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. see, I love it, though. See, I love it because you know what it does for me. I love it because... It takes, you know, the, the people out there who are like, oh, you know, this season didn't have that great, you know, that good of a class of players. Well, uh, we're one of the few classes that have two winners to come out of it, so I'll take it. it raises the really? People have said the... that? Well, I mean, obviously I don't hear it a lot, but you definitely hear it once in a while where it's like, oh, you know, there was a bunch of idiots in that house. But I think you hear that on every season. Every um, but season, for me, yeah. But for me, it's kind of validation because, you know, we voted Nicole out twice on our season, and she's, She's now a champion, so uh, I, I think it actually shows the level of uh, skill that we actually had in there with some of the people. Obviously, you have people in there that are very good or don't know the game that well. That's on every season, but there were definitely some people in there who were playing the game who had the capability of winning that game, and uh, it just worked out the way it did. Because so, I, I can tell you right now, it wasn't a cakewalk in there. There was, you know, between Cody and Frankie and Nicole and – even Christine, they were very knowledgeable about the game. So uh, even yeah. Donnie, you know, so uh, it was it was not easy. And I'm glad I'm glad Nicole pulled it out because I knew she was super smart. And I I actually called it when I went on Big Brother with Julie. I said, you know, there's a very good chance Nicole's going to win this game. And you know, I, I wasn't sh- su- surprised to see her win. Oh, all right. Well, yeah, she did win. So congrats to Nicole. Um, just yep. one more thing I wanted to ask you about the, the your show, and then um, we'll talk about some other things. But if the you know if you get picked up for another season, and you know your producers ask you, Derek, is there some case that you really want to investigate a cold case out there? You know, obviously O.J. Simpson, that's just huge. What would be your go-to cold case if you had the option to pick it? What would it be? Ooh, good question. Um, Ooh. And, it, and Ooh. It's, it's actually already been, it's actually already been discussed. I, personally, there are some cases that are not public that like the public doesn't really know about that I would love to do. I, there's a couple of cases that you know happened in my own department prior to me getting on that are cold cases involving. Uh, uh, a juvenile. There was a case by, uh, for a girl by the name of Michelle Norris. She was seven years old, um, and she was kidnapped and murdered. Um, and they still don't know who did it. And I would love to have the time to really dig into that and bring on the resources that come with having money and you know a TV show behind you to really look into that case. But if I had to pick a publicized case, um, there's a lot out there. But I, I've always been very interested in cases like uh, 
Casey Anthony, things like that. You know, where cases where yeah. we think we know what happened, we we think we know what happens, um, but do we? Is the real question. And you know, when you like I said, when you have a TV show with an unlimited budget and uh, unlimited resources, what you're able to do as an investigator is incredible because with a police department, there are financial restrictions and time restrictions. When you're an investigator in a department, you, you spend time on a case, but as you're spending time on that case, other cases are coming in and they're all of equal importance. Everybody who is a victim deserves your same level of investigation. So even though you may want to continue with one, if you can't figure it out, you have to move on. And having a show like that, that's specifically concentrating on one case afford you an opportunity to really dig deep. And I think there's a lot of cases out there. If we had the opportunity, uh, we could do some damage on them. And I would personally love to let the viewers decide what we looked into. You know, if, if, if the ID addicts, as they call them, wanted a specific case investigated, you know, put it to social media and let them decide what they would like us to look at and, and kind of see what they come up with. But, um, you know, there's a lot out there, obviously. There's a lot of cases out there that really deserve more attention, but unfortunately, due to time and resources, you, you just can't do it. So the Michelle case you were talking about, the seven-year-old girl, she was from Central Falls? Yep, yep. It's a publicized case, really? and it's something that people can look up. But, yeah, she was killed. She would have been my age, 32 years old. And I've had, you wow. know, when I was in, invest- when I was in detectives, um, we actually, re- you know, opened the case and were looking at it um, as a cold case. And, uh, you know what happens is you hit some dead ends and, and finances become an issue and things like that. And uh, trying to investigate a case that's 22, 23 years old is very difficult. So um, there are a lot of obstacles you face, but um, to get the, it out there to the public also helps too sometimes because it allows you to maybe have somebody come forward that, you know, originally yeah. did. However, there are some downfalls too. When you have an active case like that, um, there can be some issues as far as, if you do discover something that's of evidentiary value, um, will it be admissible in court because it's been on TV? So it can it can actually taint the jury. So there are some downfalls to it being on TV, and that's probably why there's some reservations and hesitations on behalf of the police department to allow uh, a TV show like ours to come in and look at the case because it could actually hurt the case as well. Well, I feel like if the case is cold, you know, let's yeah, try to yeah. at least make it look warm or something, you know, because it's, it's just sitting by the wayside, so any kind of yeah. attention maybe will bring somebody that was scared before to come and talk yeah. about it now. And how no, do I they agree. decide what's a time frame to stop, like, a case? Like, do they have, like, a limitation on it? Like, okay, you need to stop after this time if you don't have, like, any answers? Or I that mean, must be tough, though. There's not a time, per se, but you basically have leads and you investigate every one of those leads. And then when there's no more leads or nothing else to follow up on, you can't just, you know, go back to the drawing board and start over. I mean, if you, if you have the time, you do. But in some cases, you know, we've had a murder occur. And then while that murder occurred, two weeks later, another murder occurs. And who's to say which one's more important? So yeah. you have to delegate responsibilities and kind of, uh, you know, break down your time and how are you going to, you know, invest it in each thing. And I, I can tell you this, it, it, there's not a point where it's like, oh, man, I still have, you know, X, Y, and Z to do, but I ran out of time, so I can't. You do, you, do, yeah. you do everything. You exhaust every single avenue 
before moving on. But there does come a point where in cases where you have to say there's nothing else to investigate. I have no other leads. There's no other evidence to look at. We've done everything we could, and we don't know who did it. And that's sad and unfortunate, but it's a it's a reality. It's a reality that sometimes you're no matter what you do, you're just not going to figure out who did it for one reason or another. And that becomes even more of a, you know, a possibility when you're looking at something that is, you know, 20 years old because you, you don't have the opportunity to put yourself in that time frame where you can go back and go to the crime scene and look at it. You're doing everything kind of, you know, backwards. You know, you're trying to, yeah. you know, reconstruct something that happened so long ago and there's a lot of obstacles you face in doing something like that. Even with this case, we faced it. So, um, yeah, no, you investigate everything to the fullest, but essentially at some point you have to say we did everything we could, and unless nothing else comes forward, we're going to have to put this one on the shelf. Wow, that must be tough, though, to, to let go of, of something that you've oh, been yeah. working on. And, oh, yeah. you know, I give, oh, yeah, I give sure. you guys so much props for – you know, investing your time and energy, and, and it, I know it's emotions. You guys got to hold it back, but I mean, when you go home and sit there and and just want to try to get uh, justice for some people, and there's really nothing you can do. I mean, it, it's got to be really tough. So uh, I give you props and, and also congratulations on everything that's been going on. I mean, you're going to open Thank up you. a lot of windows and, and people's um, views on certain things. You know. Yeah, yeah, at minimum, it's just an opportunity to kind of, like, get a different perspective because we talk a lot about the victims and stuff, and it gives you an opportunity to see who they were as people, um, and that's always that's always a positive thing. And uh, I can tell you that, you know, the family members and stuff, they've kind of, uh, obviously they want justice, but they've come to, they've made peace with it, and uh, to hear them speak is, is very powerful because you realize the impact we have as investigators on people's lives well after the cases are already done. Um, so it, it motivates you to work harder to make sure you do everything you can because you don't want people left with questions. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's there's a lot of cold cases out there. So, um, of course, wishing you the best for for another season. I mean, uh, the first season should be starting soon, so that's great. Um, yeah, let's, absolutely. Let's go on a different on a different note, but um, yeah, a little lighter can path. you just tell everybody <laughs> where to look for? Um, the show, so it's going to be on um, yep. Discovery Channel, be, correct? Yep, it's going to be on uh, Discovery ID, um, Investigation Discovery, and I can tell you that if you're following me on social media, um, um, I'm going to obviously announce it the day it comes out, uh, and I'm sure there's going to be a big uh, marketing campaign as far as uh, ID is concerned. But, yeah, just I would keep an eye out for it. I mean, we're in November right now. Um, and I would think, I don't know exactly how it works, but I know when the show is airing and, and, and it's coming up quick. So I would think that uh, within the near future, they're going to start uh, promoting it. And uh, and as soon as they do, I, I apologize to every one of your listeners who are fans of mine or follow me because I will tell you right now I'm going to be promoting the, you know, SHIT out of it. So yeah. if you don't want to see that, just unfollow me. Uh, just unfollow me, no. but um, you know it's one of those things where uh, as soon as I as soon as I'm allowed to say, uh, I, I will be saying, and, and and I I would think maybe after Thanksgiving or something they're gonna probably start pushing it pretty hard. You well, should you know, promote it. That, that too. You should be yeah. proud as hell of it, 
and promote oh, yeah, it as much as you can. I, I, I intend on I wouldn't blame <laughs> you one on. bit. Yeah, I would I not unfollow you. Please. Yeah. This is no, yeah, I intend on, uh, like I said, I'm I'm very proud of it, and I'm, pr- I'm proud of the product, the show. Like, it's definitely, you know, it's kind of without getting into the details. The last show that I was brought with, there was an opportunity to make a, you know, it was on a big network. There was an opportunity to make a lot of money, and uh, the show just didn't have the level of integrity that I that I wanted for myself being still an active police officer, and I felt there was a conflict. So I, I unfortunately had to walk away from a lot of, from, from something that could have been very lucrative. Um, but it all worked out for, because... For- well and on top of that if I'm being honest it was one of those things where it was, it was kind of a conflict of interest between being an active police officer and doing it so there were a lot of aspects to it that were going to cause issues and uh and I walked away from it not having something else in the on, on you know on the back burner so uh again just 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 fortunate just fortunate and true crime is so big right now to have been on Big Brother as a, you know, and be, you know, kind of advertised as a detective, as an investigator, it, it really uh, opened some doors for me. And at minimum, if it, even if this goes one season and it's done, it's, it's just another thing that I've gotten the opportunity to do that. If you would have asked me three years ago as a, as a police officer, if, if I'd be doing that, you know, in the future, I would have laughed at you and said, yeah, okay. So um, it's just one more thing. It could be that, a huge uh, stepping ex- stone for you too. You know, I love ID. I love ID and what they stand for. Love and, it. And, and I love I love their shows. And it's right up it's right up my alley as far as uh, what I'm doing. Um, so they're a great network. They've been absolutely great. And um, I'm, it's priv- it's a privilege to be a part of their network. And and uh, I hope it leads to other things. I think I'd be lying if I said I didn't. I mean, that's obviously the point. Um, at minimum, I hope it leads to additional seasons so that we can look into more cases. But Again, you never know. It's television, and it's all based on, you know, a lot of outside variables that you have no control over. So you embrace the moment. Don't take it for granted, and, and, and know that regardless of what happens, you did your best, and, and let the chips fall where they may. Absolutely. Sorry for interrupting you there, Derek. No, no I cool. guess you could say it's politics. Um, and then segue. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, Derek, I, right now the country is divided, um, yeah. and it's unfortunate. And, you know, I, I, I don't want, want to know who you voted for or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's needless, you know, information. Like, you know, we voted for this person. Maybe just give some people out there that are listening right now uh, a little jolt, a little positivity, um, you know, I know that you guys kind of like uh, stick together and band together and, you know, whatever is best for you guys, um, you know, police department-wise, fire department, you right. know, whatever, whatever right. it is, um, middle class, whatever you are, um, the country's divided right now, Derek. And Oh, yeah, that's, that's what, apparent. What yeah. do you have to say about uh, the, the politics that's going on right now with, you know, Trump being – Excuse me. Uh, I think I'm getting sick too. Um, uh, the president of the United States. I don't think I <laughs> oh, thought I'd say that in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. is there anything that you want to <laughs> let people know that are listening? Um, anything? Something? I, I, mean, you know, <laughs> I, just, I don't you even know, know where to go with this. Yeah. I mean, here's here's my take on it, and take it with a grain of salt because I, you know, who am I? But. You know, my thing, what I took away from this whole election process 
whether you're a Hillary, you know, supporter or a Trump supporter, was that, and this is somebody who's in TV now, um, the media is very dishonest. um, And it's very difficult to have an honest opinion of Hillary or Donald when the media, whatever network you watch, is giving their um, their own perspective on that person, and it's very skewed depending on what network you want. I, I found myself watching one network, and after watching that network for a couple hours, uh, you know, hating Hillary Clinton, and then I go to another network, and I'm like, wow, she's great. And then the same thing, you know, with Donald Trump, they, you know, they would make points about him. So it was one of those things where I think part of the division, part of the divisiveness is, is because of the media and because of what we're, we're told. Um, but but regardless of how you feel about either candidate, we have a democracy. And at this point, whether you agree with the process or not, um, Donald Trump is is going to be the next president of the United States, barring some you know major major change. And I think I, you know I actually tweeted something the other day. But regardless of who becomes president, whether it was Hillary or Donald Trump, um, we as a per- people have the opportunity to live our lives the way we want. Yes. They have some influence over it, but we always will have the right to decide whether or not we want to be kind to one another. They'll never be able to take that from us. And I think we have a responsibility as a society to do that, regardless of the times we're going through, because not everything is going to be great. Um, And regardless of who won this election, there was going to be half a country that was going to be upset about the results. And if Hillary had won, Trump supporters would be out there doing the same thing right now. Bottom line. So for those of the people who yeah. are saying, oh, it's not fair that they're protesting and all these things, um, they're wrong because they would, you know, there would have been people on the other side doing the exact same thing. From and a police perspective, guns. yeah, and bigger guns. Uh, from a police <laughs> perspective, and from a, from a police perspective, um, you know, I, I see a different side of things uh, in some cases, and that's only understandable. It's, it's I work in that field, and I can tell you from personal experience that. Most of the people who are protesting are doing it for genuine reasons. They want to be heard. It's freedom of speech. They're out there for peaceful protest and to get their their point out there, to get what they want out there and to be heard. And there's nothing wrong with that. I promote it. That's what this country is about. That's why people have died for, this, for, for the flag and for our Constitution, so we'd have the right to do that. However, it would be foolish not to acknowledge that sprinkled in those protests – are people with political agendas who are promoting this type of violence in some cases to push their narrative. And we have to be aware of that as well. We have to be aware of that as well, because as police officers, we see it on the ground. Not everyone comes up to us and says, F the police. Some people say, listen, I don't agree with your views, but I'm here for peaceful protest and I'm here to let you do your job, but I want to be heard. And we respect that. Then there are other people who will, will incite crowds in an attempt to have that crowd go from a peaceful protest to a violent, you know, riot. So the media will play that and shows a view of police officers shooting tear gas into the crowds and all these things that, you know, people, you know, see on TV where it was incited by someone. Um, so I would just say to, to keep an open mind when you're watching these things, because it's very skewed based on what's shown on TV. And I can tell you that the majority from a police angle the majority of police officers out there want to do the right thing. You know, I, I can tell you that when I go to work, I take my job very seriously, um, but it's also a job. That's all it is. It's a job. And I'm trying to uh, provide for my family just like anybody who works as a, you know, uh, you know, as a garbage man, as an electrician, as a plumber, 
it's the same thing. It has a lot more responsibility in some cases, um, but we're just trying to do a job and we have friends and family at home that are hoping that we come home safe at the end of the night. So keep that in mind when you see police officers out there, um, you know, trying to keep order or trying to, you know, make sure everyone's safe. It's not that we don't want you to do what you feel is right or allow you to, you know, you know, exercise your freedom of speech. It's we're, we're doing our job and we're trying to keep you safe and everyone else safe as well. Now, have you been dealing with any kind of protesting or anything like that in um, Central Falls? I mean, I, I haven't seen anything really in Cumberland. I mean, I've seen stuff in Providence and stuff, but it right. hasn't been like we've seen in other locations where no. it's turned, no. you know, violent and stuff. I mean, a peaceful protest is one thing, but when you start looting right. and, you know, flipping cars and, you know, you start doing stuff like that. I mean, what's the, that doesn't have any point in anything, you know, flip a car. What it doesn't help anybody. Do? No, it doesn't no. help anybody. And I, and, I, and in the sense of the protesters, I, those are the people I'm talking about where we, you know, just like I, I promote people not to generalize cops. I also say we shouldn't generalize the protesters because the majority of the protesters don't want that. Um, these are the right. small groups of people who come out specifically to cause problems because they're opportunists. They see an opportunity yeah. to get away with a crime, and they take advantage of that, or at least attempt to take advantage they of loot, that. And, uh, and, they loot businesses and, yeah, and, and, yeah. and just, I mean, it, it, I live here in St. Louis. You know, Ferguson happened right here, you know, on my back right. door, and and they burned that city down, basically, you know. Right. And it wasn't yeah. the people mm-hmm. that live in Ferguson. It was the, the people that came in from out of town that were, the troublemakers that, that right. you know, basically did it. But, you know, that town just got ravaged by the ones <laughs> that were doing just what you're talking about. And yeah. just recently, it was just before the election. It didn't have anything to do with the election. But we just had one officer shot and killed and another one that was shot, and he's now paralyzed from the neck down. And to me, this violence against officers is, got to stop because yeah you know we're not going to have any any cops on the streets anymore people aren't going to want to be cops if every time a cop walks up to the car they're you know ambushed yeah it's 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 tough it it is tough it is definitely tough Um, i mean i i think about you getting the show and i think you know what a great thing it would be if you could now that you have two little girls to to think about I mean, I know you love your job, but it would be great if you could become an actor and get out of law enforcement because of the chances against your life, you know? Yeah, I'm sure your yeah, wife worries not... about you. Oh, of course. Of course. It's, it's funny you say it because uh, just last night I was um, – I had my uniform on my bed, and uh, I, I tenly walked by, and she actually, she actually put my uniform on. And uh, I was walking. I came. I came. I came out of. I came out of my. I came out of my office, and she had my uniform on. And she got the badge on and stuff. And it like was a surreal moment for me because we see oh. all these people in uniform. We see all these people in uniform, and we think that they're robots, right? They're just they're out there. They're doing what they got to do. And in some people's eyes, they're just bad people. But in most cases, these people who are wearing the uniforms that you see on TV that don't really have a name. Um, they have families at home that and the little ones, the little ones that are sleeping when they're getting spit at and yelled at and thrown bottles at and 
they have little girls and little boys at home that are that love them unconditionally and they're wait, hoping that they get to see them in the morning for breakfast. So, um, and that goes on both sides, to be honest with you. You know, there's there's definitely, you know, we we could talk about this for six hours, and oh, I know oh, regardless yeah. of what I say, I regardless of what people say. Um, I'm not going to, there are going to be people who disagree with me and that's their right. But I can tell you with these police involved shootings, again, my opinion, there are some social injustices that need to be changed, but I would make the argument that in most of these cases, um, it's not racism. It's not people saying, you know, it's not a cop saying I'm going to shoot that person because they're black. Um, in some, in some cases, it's just a lack of training or fear. Um, we're all humans. You walk up to a car, you're in fear of your life you make a mistake. You end up shooting someone that you shouldn't shoot. It's possible. Um, it doesn't mean that they shot that person because they were a certain ethnicity or religion. It doesn't make what they did right. But I think a lot of people out there who are upset with law enforcement and, and feel that we're generalizing certain races, ethnicities um, because of how they look, it's kind of, in some cases, it's a tough one to kind of wrap, you know, wrap your head around because in a way, they're doing the same thing by generalizing us that we're all the same. Um, there are bad exactly. out there, just like there are bad, just like there are bad law, you know, doctors and bad teachers and bad lawyers. You know, there's there's bad eggs in every batch, and our job is to find those people and, and make them pay for what they did. And they should. I think a, a, a cop who does something wrong should be punished even worse than a regular civilian because they're held to a higher standard. I just would think yeah. that most people should look at it and say. You know, yes, this cop did something wrong, but did they do it because – did they say to themselves, I'm going to shoot this person because they're black? Or did they shoot that person because they were not educated and trained enough to know what their responsibilities were or how to defuse the situation properly, and it resulted in them carrying out an action that was wrong? Um, and, and that's and that's that's my take on it. You know, I look at some of these cases, and I'm not on the ground. There's always a different side if you're involved with the cases. I've seen that even with the show, uh, with the OJ case. You know, you think you know everything, and then you do it, and you're like, wow, there was a lot there that you didn't know. But um, I, I I'd like to believe that in most cases, these officer-involved shootings that are leading to these riots, like in Ferguson, are the result of um, either a false narrative or a lack of training. And I just I I you know I choose to believe that in most cases. The cops that are out there, you know, some of them, I, I work in a predominantly, Michelle can attest to this, I work in a predominantly yeah. uh, minority community, and I'm yeah. proud of that. You know, I'm proud of that. I grew up there. I grew up in Central Falls. You, and, you work in um, a very, very tough, tough, I mean, people don't really understand. I mean, they, they know it's one square mile, but folks, let me tell you something. He works in a very, very tough town. Um, it's not a joke. It's really kind of scary, I mean, because, you know, I, I, I'm one neighborhood, well, I'm, I'm one town over from him, but my, my parents, both of them, before they were even were married, both grew up in Central Falls in a different time, and it's right. changed a lot, and yeah, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a very, uh, it's, there's stuff going on every minute in Central Falls, I'll tell you guys that right now. Yeah. So, and, and don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of, there's still, there's still a lot of good people there, you know, and, oh, and I can tell you that I, I can tell you that in most cases, um, if you treat people with respect, they'll, they'll reciprocate that. And that's, that's been my experience. I've been through some bad situations, you know, that a lot of people are aware of as far as my law enforcement career that I was fortunate to uh, come out of. Okay. But, um, 
you know, it's it's definitely part of the job. And, you know, like I said, to kind of sum it all up, you know, with this the whole election and police brutality and protests and all these negative things that are going on, um, at some point we as a society, barring, you know, government and police and all these things have to decide that we're going to try to make a difference. We're going to try to um, be a better version of ourselves. And hopefully we as a society can come together and say, listen, we need we need to change, and we need we realize there are a lot of problems with our country. Um, and I think even Obama said it himself. Like, you know, there's a lot of people out there who think Donald is not going to do the right thing, and, and they they might be right. But you have to at least give him the opportunity to prove you right or prove you wrong. And well, the guy is not the even with me, Derek. With 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 Trump, I mean, I know media has a lot to play with it, but. For me, it's words that have come out of his mouth that have made me oh, feel yeah. like we're going to go back in history instead of mm-hmm. making the progress as we have moving forward in history with minorities, mm-hmm. with sexual mm-hmm. preference, with w- uh, women, uh, you know, moving forward and being equal with men. And the, the, the vocal uh, words that have come out of his mouth is like taking 10 steps backwards and you know, we're trying to rewrite history, and now at the same time, it's like you're, we're going back, you know. And, you know, uh, for for instance, a gay marriage, for uh, for me, right. uh, I feel like anybody should marry whoever they want and Agreed. wherever they want, whenever they want. And now it's like you're going to go take a step back because that's one of the things you're talking about is taking away the gay marriage. And, you right. know, with the... the, the um, uh, immigrants from, uh, that are here that have been here, and let me tell you something. My family is uh, uh, immigrants. I, I am first generation here, and um, you know, to get my mom to come and cry to me and asking me if she's going to be deported, even though she's an American citizen, she doesn't right. understand what she's talking about. She just understands that she's an original immigrant, and that you know, she and her family and her friends are not you know allowed here. Which, you know, I, for me, I, I think America is an open border. We welcome all in. And unfortunately, we do welcome in terrorists and stuff like that. You, that's just something that's going to happen. But to mm-hmm. generalize everybody in one kind of egg when, you know, you get an egg and there's 12 in a pack and they're all different. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, I that, to me, I scares me and makes my heart hurt that there's people out there that are scared for their lives. I'm scared for my life, to be honest with you, you know, because it's yeah, scary. I mean, you know, Trump said some things. I'm a guy with two daughters. Uh, if he would have yeah. said those things, if it would have been about my, my kid, I'd literally slap him. So don't yeah. mistake it at all. There's this guy. Uh, this guy, he, he's, he's got some issues. And, I, I you know, I might offend some people when I say this, but I think the two candidates combined, uh, I, I looked at a lot of these, these the elections and these debates, and I said to myself, this is the best two qualified candidates we have for president. Uh, honestly, I, I, you know, because it, there were some issues on both sides that I was really uncomfortable with um, for them and, and for, for them to, to say. And, and as far as Donald Trump being the president now, what he intends to do, um, I, my hope is I agree with everything you just said. I believe in marriage equality. I believe in obviously gender equality. And I'm not just saying that because it's the politically correct thing to say. I have, like I said, I have two daughters. <laughs> I have two daughters. And, 
if you think for a second that I'm okay with them getting paid less because they're female, you're out of your mind. So um, I don't have a son. I have two, two little girls that I'm going to have to answer to. So I know the decisions I'm making today could affect them tomorrow. Um, so I have a, a vested interest in making sure that gender equality is a real thing that, that occurs and it, it's not occurring right now. Um, but like I said a little while ago, these are all things, these fears are things we have based on, uh, you know, what he said on the campaign trail and all these things. And, it, you know, frankly, I don't think anyone really knows exactly what he's going to do. And that's what's scary. It's the uncertainty. So if he decides during his presidential campaign to actually try to follow through with some of these things, like, you know, regressively go back from, you know, uh, marriage equality. We need to fight that for gender equality. We need to fight that. Um, these are things that if he tries to carry through on those promises he made to his, his base and you don't agree with it, that's where we have to stand up and fight for it. And obviously the house and the Senate has to do the same thing. Congress has to come together and kind of say, no, this isn't right. But until he's in office, I don't think there's anyone out there, probably including Donald Trump, who knows what they're actually going to, he's actually going to do. So I think we need to, I think at this point, not to sound morbid, but we got what we got. (laughs) And we have to, sometimes you're not dealt the best hand and you have to make the best out of it. And that is, that is the case right now. So we have to see what he's going to do. We kind of just have to brace ourselves and see what he's going to do going forward. And nobody knows. Um, but I would like to think that with a House and a Senate um, working together, maybe there are some things that he can soften on. I don't think, you know, I saw something the other day on 60 Minutes about gender, uh, uh, marriage equality, and he actually said it's already done. They're not going to touch that. So I hope he holds, I hope he holds true to that promise because anyone should be able to marry anybody they want and nobody should be able to tell them. Um, you know, women's rights to choose, you know, pro-life or where you, whether you're pro-life or pro-abortion, I mean, I think in their case, there are cases where women, again, should have their right to choose what's right for their body. I don't think the government should be deciding that. So yeah. we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, you know. No, we don't really know we yet. Will. And that's, I know that's, that's scary. That's scary. scary. And I, that's scary. And I know people that, uh, you know, came here through citizenship, and I've met good people who are illegal immigrants who've lived in this country for a very long time. Um, and I know that they're fearful, and, and they, I, don't, I hope that they don't have a need to be. On the other side of that, as a police officer, again, I get an inside look. I can tell you that I've personally arrested someone um, who beat the crap out of a woman and was not a legal citizen. Because of our system right now, that person is released. And then they don't show up at court because they're not in the system. You can't find them. Um, And then three or four months later, we'll arrest them again for beating up someone else, but this time they have a different name. And only because I've arrested them before, I know who they are. Um, So that, that is, that is also an issue. That is also an issue where we have people that are, that we're unable to track who are committing serious crimes and there's no real accountability for them. So I don't know what the answer is, you know, I don't, and that's why I'm not running for political office, but I I hope, I hope as a country we come together uh, and try to, you know, make make the best out of a really scary situation. Yeah, I mean, I think um, that if we all come together and 
and and guide each other because right now we're so equally divided. I mean, I can't even put anything on social media without somebody attacking me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. all I put down was that I voted for, for uh, Hillary and you're coming at me with this, that, and the other. Like, there's no need for that. The thing that bothers me is that Trump has already gone back. It has been less than a week since he's been, you know, elected, and he's already talking about, all right, we're not going to do the wall. Okay, we're not going to give it over Obamacare. Okay, we're mm-hmm. not, okay, okay. so all these things that you gave all these people juice, and I know that, yes, you pump it up, you, do, you know, you do what you got to do, but this is what these people that have voted for him are backing up, right? They're backing up his his who who has never ran for political office and does not even know what he's going to do as president because he even said to um, Obama, oh, this is something new. I didn't realize that the president of the United States has all these um, uh, different types of situations. Dude, that's scary to me that somebody doesn't even know that what to do to be a president of the United States and they're guiding our country. And along with not only just us, they have to deal internationally with all these other countries. To me, having a a relationship with many different countries, whether they're allies, whether they're not, whether they're neutral, and not having an idea of what you're going to do, I mean, are you – that's crazy to me. It's really – Mind-blowing to me. So uh, I'm glad that you were able to give us your insight on both sides, um, Derek, you know, because we need to all hear this. We need to know what everybody's thinking. And logically, you know, instead of coming back at each other, fighting words, and, oh, you did this, and you voted for this, you're better than you. It's like, you know, it's a game of touche, right? Yeah. Well, Um, like I said, as people, as human beings, we choose whether or not to treat our, our fellow band with, you know, respect and dignity. So regardless of who's president, they can't take that from us. And I think that's the main thing that we should take out of this, that the government will always be kind of overseeing us, but on the ground level, we decide how we conduct ourselves. Absolutely. Michelle? Sorry. Yes? Um, Abdias was on the switchboard for quite a while, but – He's had to hang up. He was at work tonight. But he wanted me to um, send a few messages along. Okay. Uh, he wanted he wanted to um, send his love and support for Derek and you and let him know that um, he thought Derek was a great sport for feeling sick and still, still taking the time to speak with all of us. <laughs> no problem. No and problem. Love it. He's he's one of our regular callers, and he's a great guy. He always has great oh, questions. So I'm good. so sorry we didn't get oh, him on the switchboard. Oh, he's so good. Um, he also wanted to know, now that Shelby has won the veto, um, what is the best move to get rid of, is it to get rid of Danielle, and what were your thoughts on the double eviction? All right. Well, first off, let's let's start off with this. Derek, are you watching Big Brother Over the Top? Um, vaguely, I, you know, somewhat yeah, avid very, watcher very because very, you don't work. Very, and... <laughs> no, yeah, very vaguely. Um, this is what I'll say about BBOTT, and I'll let you dive into it because I know you're watching it. But um, I haven't been able to watch as much because it is a commitment because you have to watch online. Um, and 
working full time show and traveling and all these things and kids and everything else. It's, it's very difficult to to watch. So I, I'm not too too familiar with it. However, I will say I watched the first episode, the season premiere, and I have to tell you that as a a fan of the show, if you want a true perspective of what it's like to be in that house, these are the types of season you have to watch because there was no truer indication of how awkward and how real it really is when you first step into that house than when I watched the you know, premiere night. Oh, so, oh my God. so even though you see the feeds, even though you see the feeds and you saw the feeds on my season, you know, there's a lot of fish and all these things that, you know, you don't get to see everything where with BBOTT, it seems like they're really allowing people an inside look into how the, the inner workings of production and things like that. So uh, kudos to CBS for doing what they're doing. I think it's great, um, but it is a full-time commitment. So for yeah. me, it's been a little this this year has been a little tough. So you you know obviously Jason um, is a returning house guest. He beat out oh, yeah. Josea, yep. Um, yep. and he is a fellow New Englander. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know yep. I'm sure you're rooting for him, and you know that America has a lot to do with the voting. America got yeah. what they want. They wanted to be able to vote, and now they don't even know what the hell to do with it anymore. They're just like losing it, and they're actually rigging votes. Cheating <laughs> yeah. going on. Like, they're rigging votes. They're rigging like there's like a conspiracy theory with the rigging of the votes of Big Brother. That's what our world has come to, along with everything else. Um, so far, Jason, it's the the finale is going to be December first, uh, Derek. Okay. Um, okay. And we are in, what, November 14th. So Jason is still in the house. Um, he has been on the block, taken himself off. He has stayed um, in a uh, alliance, which is called the Mis- Misfits or the Late Night Jamboree, and it's been against the Plastics, or as others would call it, the Ball Smashers. And he's still in there kicking it, and he is on the block, and um, there's a... chance that he's going to leave the house on Wednesday. Uh, I know you haven't watched it, but um, what's your thoughts on, you know, Jason being in the house and him still being kind of there and made it through, you know, the debacle of getting out the, you know, the vet? Um, You know, obviously kudos to him for being still in the house. And and I know how hard it is. And I know the season is like basically like no other season of Big Brother. Um, you know, but I would expect him to be there, seeing that he was voted in by America, and America is essentially deciding who goes home each week. Um, so, good for him uh, living up to the expectation. Um, you know, if he goes home, he goes home. That's the way it is. I mean, I know America gets one nomination. Ultimately, the House still votes out the person they want to see go home. Um, and it is interesting to see America have such a big influence on the game because you know they've always wanted that, and it does seem like there's some indecisiveness. Some some weeks when I hear about certain people going home and then others and uh, but but I think overall it's made the Big Brother community that that close knit community that really really into the show community uh, even more involved which is I think what the purpose of uh, BBOTT was so <clears throat> as far as Jason's concerned <clears throat> you know if I Shelby won the veto you said so I mean she yeah. obviously is going to control uh, I know I had saw some things that you know people wanted Morgan to go home. Well, and, Morgan was uh, up in the block, so we know she's going to take Morgan down. So that means, yep. you know, another misfit will be up there. Yep, and I know it's right now we have – who's on the block with Morgan right now? Is, two other, is it Danielle and Justin? It's going to be 
uh, Jason and Danielle. So I think Morgan will come down, and I bet you $100 million that Shelby will put up Justin. Okay, so Shelby puts up Justin, so it'll be Jason, Justin, and and Danielle on the block. Yep. Yep. So that leaves Morgan Morgan and Chrissy to vote, right? Right. And then America will have that vote. Yep, Chrissy won't vote out Jason. She's going to vote for who, Justin? I, I either actually, you know what? I think maybe she might go for Danielle because Danielle ruffers, has been ruffling feathers. But I think this week, um, maybe the past couple of days, she's ruffled some feathers, and I think her and Justin have gotten closer. And she will not touch Jason. Um, so I think that she will vote actually Danielle out. That's what my so she votes Danielle out, and Morgan and Shelby. Uh, well, Shelby's HOH, so she can't vote. So Morgan and so, so who's voting? America. Then? It'll be Morgan. America. It will be it will be Morgan. It will be uh, Chrissy, and then it will be America. So Chrissy votes for Danielle. Morgan's gonna vote for Jason, and then America's gonna decide who goes home. Yeah. And you and think you think America's gonna. Well, I mean, yeah, I would I would like I'd like to think that the kid got voted in. He's probably not gonna go home. So, uh, but you never know. You never know. But well, we yeah, yeah, yeah we listen, don't know. Just like any season, a big brother. Just like any season, a big brother. Yeah. If you want to win, you got to win the comps. You got to win the comps. And Jason, I know he's won a couple comps, um, but you got to win when it counts. And well, I know there was, there was a, I know there was a hiccup. I know with HOH. Yeah. What you're gonna say? There yeah. was a little drama and the mirror, broken mirror. Mm. I saw that on Twitter. Um, but I believe that Big Brother, I mean, you know some of the production, I know some of the production, um, and I believe truly that they do every, they don't really care who wins, and they're not trying to rig it for one person or the other. That's just my belief. Um, So whatever their reasoning was behind having them redo the the competition, they clearly felt that Shelby was severely hindered by this broken mirror or whatever. And maybe I'm, again, I'm speculating because I wasn't watching it, but for whatever reason, they did it. And I believe in the, you know, I know Heath, everyone knows who Heath is. I believe that he has the purest intentions when it comes to the game. And he takes a lot of pride in that. And I know a lot of the other production staff, they, they feel the same way as well. So um, Jason lost, you know, Jason lost. And then he had an opportunity. They all did to win veto and kind of control their own fate. Because if Jason would have won veto, uh, obviously he would have uh, kept, kept Morgan up there. Um, yeah. But he didn't. And neither did Danielle, neither did Justin, neither did Chrissy. Uh, from what I understand, Chrissy hasn't won a single comp all year, right? Or she's actually won one no, HOH. Chrissy did. She won one HOH, yes, and that's one HOH. It. And Justin, Justin has won nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think, <clears throat> and I think he's proud of that. <laughs> New Orleans, yeah, so what up? <laughs> yeah, for 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 an alliance that wants to control the game, especially down the stretch, your team has to win, and uh, they're not winning. And because of that, they're going home. And then also there's America's Care Package that's changed something. I know with Danielle's double eviction, they actually had them in a position to send one of them home. And America kind of, you know, changed that up. Am I right in saying that? Um, no, right? they Didn't actually I take Morgan gave and Shelby the, made them safe? They, they gave an, a care package to um, Morgan. And then when she got the care package, they changed the rules of the care package. Um, okay. So Morgan won the care package, and then before they actually did any nominations, they allowed uh, Morgan to know she won the care package, and then changed that 
to allowing Morgan to pick a friend to also be safe. So they added that wow. in at the last minute. Yeah, so essentially America it's, it's like, saved it's like the week. It's like the election. It's like, honestly, yeah. I'll be honest with you, Derek, this has been kind of like the election. Uh, Big Brother over the top has been divided down the middle, and, uh, you know, the wrath of the plastics versus the misfits, whatever side you're on, you're going to get whatever you get. Um, right. it's, been a, it's, been, it's very stressful. I, I don't like dividing. Like, I don't have a problem with people having their – like, I love the Patriots. I do not expect everybody to love the Patriots. The Patriots lost last night. I was at the game. No bueno. But I don't expect everybody to be a Patriots fan. But we all are civilized and whatever. But Big Brother fans get cray-cray. Election, <laughs> Trump fans and Hillary fans, it's like too much at once, Derek. I, that's why we needed you. We needed the calmness because I can't be dealing with these, like, crazies. Like, no, because I voted for this one does not mean I'm an asshole and I'm an idiot. Like, what the hell does that mean? No, I, I'm, I'm rooting for my, like, my, who I want. How does that make me an asshole? <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that this people need to to vocalize differently, Derek, choose their vocabulary different, and know that we're all humans and we're all rooting for the same thing. Derek, guess what? I'm not going to win that money. You already won money, but you ain't going to win that money from Big Brother over the top. You are not going to win. Cherry ain't going to win the uh, presidency money for, the, you know, being there four terms. I mean, I think people just get so involved like they're there, you know, and they need to, like, just step out for a minute and just know we're all there for the same cause and we all are rooting for the same thing. And let's just all say, okay, we got different sides, right? Right, Derek? Am I, yeah. am I the one? Am I losing my mind or? <clears throat> no, no, you're right. <clears throat> and without me really knowing the season too, too well, I can't really proclaim one thing or the other. But I will tell you this. As a contestant, as a former house guest, love America. I actually got a lot of extra money because of America with Team America. But I can tell you right now if they came. You're welcome, Derek. I, I did yeah, a lot of, you. Uh, you know, politicking for your way. You're the best. Kid. You're the best. But I'll I can tell you, you that I'll if I had the I can tell you if I had the opportunity. <laughs> I can tell you if I had the opportunity to play again, I would not play a season that was influenced by America to that extent. Because when you're in that house, you need to be able to do things and not have be judged for it. Because it's a, 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 I, I feel like there's a lot of politics into America in the house from what I've seen because of the America's influence. So for me as a house guest, um, I wouldn't want to play in a season like that. But I can see how it's so appealing to viewers because they really are going to decide who wins this game. They've kind of decided who's in this house at this point. So it's really their season. This is a season for the fans, you know? Yeah, it really is. All right, well, we have done a lot of conversating. We've learned about your show, which is so exciting, Derek. Mm -hmm. I mean, gosh, O.J. Simpson trial, can you even get more explosive than that? That's just insane, and I cannot wait to watch and as soon as you find out um when it's going to air let me know um terry do you have any last questions for derek because i i told them it was going to be 20 minutes it tr- turned out to be a little bit longer i've been eating while i've been talking i'm multitasking 
I you know I can tell. I, I can think tell. we've got over twenty minutes, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Literally, literally, I'm eating. I woke up. I'm eating. I'm gonna shower. And I'm gonna go into work and work at midnight. So <laughs> it's just like that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. So oh this is just I'm just I'm eating breakfast right now. What would be okay? Yeah. So for everybody out there that's listening, what is the breakfast of champions? Tell people what are you eating right now. And I know you're sick, so it might be a little bit different because your taste buds are off. So you might just <laughs> be eating something random. But what's the breakfast of champions? In case anybody wants to know. So right now it's wheat toast, egg whites with a little bit of cheese and avocado. Ooh. Yum. The avocado yeah, so I, right there. That's a topper. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going a little light. Yeah. Going a little light today. Got to, got to try to keep the lbs off. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm literally, I wrote, I'm, I'm writing a book. So I, I was writing this morning. I went to sleep, woke up, spoke with you guys, ate breakfast, going midnight to eight, do my regular job, come home, write a little bit more, see the kids, do it all over again. No, that's right because you're writing your book. That in. He's yeah. you're writing that in, your book, like right? nonchalantly. He's writing a book. Yeah, yeah, that's just... right. Yes. I know, like, we didn't talk about that, but, like, you threw it in there, so quickly talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, honestly, it was, uh, I get these, to make it a really long story short, I have these stupid bucket list things that I come up with, and one of them was to, to write a book, and I said, listen, I'm going to write a manuscript, and, and, and I'm going to, you know, send it out to some of the top publishers, and the only way I'm going to go through with it is if one of them want to sign it. I'm not going to self-publish because it won't get out to the public. Um you know, when you're self-published, you can, anybody can self-publish, but it doesn't mean it's going to get distributed. So I only would do it if I got signed by a, an actual publisher. So uh, wrote the two chapters, put together a proposal. It was about 100 pages. Uh, sent it out to, like, the top 20 publishers in the country and uh, actually got offers from three of them. Um, and I signed with wow. Sourcebooks, which is, a, which is a publishing agency out of uh, Chicago, Illinois. Huge. They also have Austin, New York. And uh, – the, you know, the book will be done by, you know, the end of this year, and then they'll start producing it, manufacturing it, and it's going to be in Borders, it's going to be in Barnes & Noble, it's going to be on Amazon, it's going out full distribution. So uh, the book tentatively is called The Undercover Effect, um, a social guide to turning investigative strategies into personal success. And to give you a little bit of idea about the book, it's just essentially using a lot of the techniques that I learned from communicating with people over the years, some of the stuff I used as an undercover detective, some of the stuff I used in the Big Brother house and uh, how you can use those things to develop better uh, interpersonal connections with people that obviously lead to success. And I also talk about some bad things too. You know, I, there's a chapter in there about, you know, growing through adversity and uh, some of the things that I've been through personally. You know, I, as some of you guys know, I was involved in a shooting, uh, very tough thing to go through at 23 years old. And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't always easy for me. And I went through some dark times and there were some things that I did to get through it and what I took away from it uh, to make me the person I am today. And obviously the hope is the reason I'm writing it is not only for myself, but hopefully not to sound cliche, but it helps someone else out there that reads it, that decides to read it. And uh, wow. if, if it even helps a couple people, then, you know, I've already, I've spoken about the book and some of the stuff that's in the book at, at colleges and universities. And I've had people already come up to me and email me and say uh, how much of an impact some of the stuff I've talked about has had on their lives. And a lot of that stuff is in the book. So I've already gotten the gratification from it. I'm just trying to get it out to more people. Um, and, and there's not a lot of money to be made in books, FYI, for everybody out there. So uh, you, don't, you don't do it for the money. You do it because it's a personal thing you want to do. Uh, and, and, uh, and that's why I'm doing it. And it's been, 
It's been a, it's been a real, it's been a journey because to relive all of these things in such detail, because you have to fill up a book with them. This book's over 200 pages. So to fill a book with all that material about your life and to kind of reflect and really dive into it again, when you haven't, you know, kind of thought about it in years uh, is difficult at some points, but it's been, it's kind of been therapeutic for me too. And I hope that when people read it, they can kind of put themselves in a perspective where I was then and where I was when I was writing it. And, And hopefully you get to see a side to me that you've never seen and also take something from it that you can use in your own life. Wow. That's like reliving it, huh? That's crazy. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's it's intense. And this isn't, this isn't a pamphlet. I can tell you that much. This is legit. Like I said, the book's over, over 200 pages. It's a big book and uh, not a big book, but it's a legitimate book. It's with a legitimate publisher and, and uh, going full force on it. And I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's for me personally, it's just something, it's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And, uh, to have it come to fruition, to know that, you know, you know, soon there's going to be an actual physical copy of that book that I can pick up and, and, you know, bring my kids to and show them at Borders that their dad's on a, on a bookshelf at Borders. It's, it's very, very gratifying. So, um, Oh my God, that's amazing. Oh my God. I yeah. just got How do filled. I get my autographed copy? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I, trust me, you know, and I will say because I've kind of been reclusive as far as social media and online and doing these interviews and even Michelle's quick to like check me uh, as far as like attending things and stuff like that. And it's no, good. You need that. You you know, know, I, but you need I that. Mean, I mean, I do check. I do check. <clears throat> but I, but I do like that. I do like that because it keeps you, keeps you gra- uh, ground, you know, you know, grounded and level and, you know, puts a level of humi- humility in it. But uh, for me this year, I told my wife it was going to be one of the hardest years of my life between, you know, getting signed by this agency and having a year to complete the book and also film You know, I left for three months to go film, you know, the new show and I'm still working full time as a police officer and I have a family. So 99.9% of my time is accounted for. And I've been a little bit, you know, lax on the social media and stuff, but I can tell you after this year, this year is a tough year. I'm hoping 2017 is a year of a lot of, uh, rewards and outcomes and things that I can share that I haven't been able to share. Uh, the show's coming out next year, the book and all these things. And I'm just really hoping for, you know, 2016 has been a great life changing year, but I'm really hoping to see the fruits of my labor in 2017 and kind of share that with everyone who supported me because I kind of disappeared for this last year, but it was for good reason. Listen, I'm hard on you, but you know, I love you. That's just love. (laughs) And if anything, you know, I was hard on you, but then yet he didn't attend a charity event, but yet he made uh, it able for people to go to the police station to see him. So don't let him fool you, people. I mean, he (laughs) is still a part of whatever he can be, even if he can't physically be running around Rhode Island doing the amazing race for Children's Wishes. He was definitely a part of it. And, uh, you know, I just want to say thank you for that. Derek, I know a lot going on, and thank you so much for coming on here tonight, and you know being able to spend this much time, and you know being sick as you are, and it just filling us in on everything that's been going on. It's been such an uh, thankful, you know, it gave me a lift in my spirits because I've been kind of down in the dumps a little bit, so. To see people still moving forward and life isn't over. It's just what you make of it. You know, you take uh, you take uh, the the grape and you make what you want with it. And or or as Derek said, you you get a hand and you just 
kind of deal with what you you got and you, you figure out uh, what the best hand is. So thank you so much, Derek, for coming on and talking about everything. And let us know when your show comes on. You you can come back on here, promote it, your book, everything that you got going on. We are <clears throat> open for you at any time that you want. We are here for you, and we are your support system. So we just know that. I do. I absolutely do. You guys have a great night. Thanks for having me on, and I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Hope love you, you Derek. Better, Derek. Love you guys, too. Take care. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. What a great, great evening with Derek. Oh, that was, like, I needed that, Sherry. I needed that, like, spiritually, you know, just to, like. How much making an hour. <laughs> Yeah, Cherry, the heck. We went even over. We went fucking over normal time. Excuse my language, but we were I, I'll be honest with you guys. That was all about me. I have been just emotionally drained. And I was like, Cherry, I can only do an hour because I can't. You know, I need, like, I've got so much going on. Never mind with everything else that's been going on with the world. And. I just kind of wanted to, like, take a step back and just, like, I, I even told Cherry, you guys, that I might not even want to do the show this week, and that's not because I don't love the show, and I've been doing this for years, is because I felt like something was ripped out of me, and Skeleton was just thrown to the ground, and I didn't know, like, what my heart was like, I didn't know where my brain was at. I just was just emotional. I, I don't. Am I the only one? I mean, I feel like. No, you're not, Michelle. Not at all. You're not. Let me tell you. You know. I mean, this can have such an impact on our lives. I mean, I don't even want to get into it. It can have a big impact on our lives. Um, yeah, my husband and I feel like we man. need to stick together. What, babe? My husband is a union man, and yeah, the unions are probably going to see their, if not complete demise, diminish greatly. And that's where our pension lies. That's where my husband's pension lies. And if the unions go so far down that could be my husband's pension going away. I mean, to me, that's the scariest thought ever. That's what we've, you know, been planning our life, our retirement, and this one election could change all of that. One election. One man. Yeah, and that's why, you know what, I... Thankfully, with you and with my other people that have my back, I said, you know, I'm going to do the show. And because even though we're one voice, Cherry, I got my voice, you got your voice, and everybody else that's listening right now, though we are maybe a little minuscule of the society, if we are able to tell our stories and how it's affecting us and 
know that this is not a joke, people. And that's my fucking problem with, with what's going on, is that people think this is a joke. It has nothing to do with who won, who lost people, okay? Who got the most and who did it this is, this is affecting our lives in so many ways. I see my friends going on social media who have different sexual preferences, who are minorities, who are whatever, and they're scared for their lives. My family crying. This is not a joke, people. And as long as we are here to talk about it, hold each other's hand and know that we're going to be okay, that's what we need. And if anything more now than ever, and if you think to yourself, well, you know what, I know they're going to be okay, that's fine. No, tell us. Give us that support. Give us your voice because that's what we need now more than ever is voice, not action, not violence. Correct. Just kind words. Like, you know what? I want you to have a good smile on your face, so I'm going to send you a smiley face today. Something small like that could really affect somebody's day. Somebody said to me today, Michelle, I read what people were bad. People were commenting on a comment that I made. Wasn't violent, wasn't anything. And then someone said, Michelle, you're beautiful, you're awesome, and I just want to let you know that. And that made my freaking day. You know what I mean? That's so cool. And it sounds like the smallest thing, but it's really not. We have our holidays coming up where we're going to be with our family and friends, and at that time, they might be divided because we are at, at that point. Let's just all love each other, hug each other, emoji each other by sending us hugs and kisses and rainbows and all that good stuff and just know that we are here for each other no matter what no matter whose side you're on we are human beings we bleed we cry we heartbeat we heartbeat our hearts beat the same way so let's all just love each other care for each other, and I will see you guys back next Monday. Cherry, I love you. And I love you too, Michelle. I'm, I'm so sad that this has just affected all of us so, so badly and has, I think, our entire nation, um, at least half of us, just in disarray right now you know yeah i'm not proud of myself for sometimes even encouraging people's comments and messages but that's what i'm reacting on my feeling and i need to respect the fact that if i have my opinion others do as well but i want to have it at a common ground of knowledge and human love and yeah you respect. never you never encourage violence though I know you too well you know and no. like Derek said I support anybody that wants to speak you know their mind and 
and say what they want to say, but do it without the violence. You know, that's that's not helping anything. No. That's We've going against that. everything we that we're trying more. to, you know, yeah. So say what you don't want to say. Do what you, you know, if you're, if you're going to protest or, or do any of that, just do it without violence. That's defeating the purpose. Say what you want to say. I want to see you be brave. I might not be a good <laughs> singer, but take those yes, words to heart, people. <laughs> no, <laughs> I might I might start a riot by saying I don't want to do that. But um, all right, Cherry Pie, we had a great guest. Thank you so much, Derek, for calling in. Uh, really enlightening uh, us on what's going on with him, and um, I hope the best for him. And I cannot wait to see uh, the investigation discovery come out with his. Um, case on O.J. Simpson, um, his book, and um, so we'll yeah, book, the I'm undercover sure we'll be, effect. Yeah, and I'm sure we will be uh, one of the first people to let you guys know when it when it comes in rolling out um, on uh, your television screen, as we are always breaking news. So, all right. Thank you you so much, Michelle. Thank you, and thank all the listeners and everybody. And um, sorry we couldn't take calls, but, I mean, we were kind of into it. We uh, Sometimes you just can't break our our show. We just keep talking and talking. So, all right, Cherry Pie. We're down to a couple minutes. Thank you so much for uh, coming on tonight with us, for being here as our guest in the chat room, and... On podcast later, if you're listening to us at a later time, I want to remind everybody that we do have a show on Thursday night with Mike on the mic, Big Mike Albright is our host, talking about Survivor Millennials versus Gen X. So join us for that on Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. We're going to wrap up tonight with Ron, as we always do. Everybody have a great week. Here's Ron to take us out. Good night, everybody. I want to finish off the show with a little music and say to all my listeners, thank you guys, and thank you all for coming in. God bless you, and thank you for listening to the show. And it was a great one. It's always a great one. I'm Michelle Costa from Big Brother Season 10. Have a great week, everybody. God bless. Say good night, Michelle. Good night, and make sure you guys go watch Bleed for This. I didn't talk about this, but I watched it on Thursday, and it was about a movie about my friend, and it was epic, amazing. Look for it nationwide, November 18th, Bleed for This. Love you guys. That's a wrap for tonight. Make sure you come back with us Thursday. Talk to you soon. Bye.